Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. The Soul of Business with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the Soul of Business on Money FM 89.3. I'm Shazad Haq for the Workday Afternoon. Joining me on the phone is Aditya Lutra, Security Director of Asia Pacific International SOS. We find out more on how business and HR leaders can stay on their guard, clear the path in their return to operations and travel plans while ensuring their businesses stay agile and resilient amidst the COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. Aditya, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, great to have you because it's so topical, obviously, at the moment, and, and people are obviously really wanting to get back into work, and businesses are, are dying to get out back out there again. But before we get into all that, can we just get an overview of international SOS? I think many people might have the impression it's it's mainly about medical airlifts and and um, and helping people out in emergencies. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, and I think you summarized it quite well in your your intro before the song. We definitely do exactly the kind of support that you mentioned around medical airlifts and emergencies, but a significant portion of what International SOS does is in the space of risk management and risk mitigation. So we're actually in the business of protecting and saving the lives of our clients' employees by giving these employees and organizational leaders with access to our subject matter experts to get information, advice, and uh, business continuity strategies that they can implement Mm -hmm. to minimize or mitigate their risks proactively. And and how would that pertain particularly to uh, COVID-19 in in this current situation? Yes, I mean, there's a variety of ways that organizations have engaged international SOS. If you're specifically looking at it from the perspective of COVID-19, they've reached out to uh, international SOS to have access to our subject matter experts to design policies around, you know, vaccine rollout, uh, when you're looking at uh, areas of security concerns, an area that I specialize in, it's having an understanding of how COVID-19 has actually had a knock-on effect on the security environment and how these knock-on effects can actually impact the, the, the safety of their employees. Now, I think this, this first question is, is really interesting because we have seen uh, a plethora of misinformation, disinformation out there um, with all kinds of theories uh, being thrown about. So how, how does this information, misinformation, disinformation hinder the effectiveness of these immunization campaigns? So, so I think access to accurate information is and has always been a critical component of an organization's risk management strategy. And it's always been uh, an organizational priority. So if you're looking at it from a management's perspective, management needs accurate information to support decision-making about those strategies that can be implemented to ensure employee safety and organizational resilience. If you're looking at it from an employee's perspective, what we've seen is that organiza- or employees are increasingly turning to their management as a trusted source of information. So in an environment in which there is this misinformation, disinformation, employees will look increasingly to their management for, for that guidance. Now, if you're, if you're specifically looking at what changed in the past 18 months, I think the three key changes or three key challenges that misinformation and disinformation have presented is, one, just the sheer volume uh, of information that's mm. out there. I think there are some really interesting statistics that uh, it's estimated that uh, the information that's been published on COVID-19 in the past uh, nine months or the last nine months of uh, 2020 
was equivalent to 50% of the information that was published on HIV and AIDS wow. in the past 39 years. That's an insane amount of information. Yes. That's volume. Absolutely. But arguably worse is actually that the information is often conflicting, changing, mm. uh, and, and false. And just as an example, you know, there was a, in April, there were some falsehoods uh, alleging that COVID-19 vaccinations had causal links to, to stroke. And these led to, uh, you know, went viral online, uh, resulting in like uh, increasing vaccine hesitancy amongst an organization's workforce. So now very like, you know, looking at it from that organization's perspective, these kind of volume of information or misinformation can hamper the organization's ability to achieve a certain amount of herd immunity so that business operations can resume. Mm. And in worst case scenario, it can even create or instill a, I would say, a level of fear and distrust towards organizational policies that are intended to protect their workforce. With that volume of information just talked about, and that's a huge amount you've just said there, how does, how does an organization untangle that all? Yeah, so I, I think they've actually, a lot of organizations have realized that they need to engage uh, experts who have that ability to be able to collect the information, mm. analyze the information, corroborate the information, and turn that information into uh, actionable uh, advice. And that advice is really aimed at the employees, so making sure that employees have access to these kind of subject matter experts who can do that, but also really seeing management rely on subject matter experts to be able to dissect the information and turn it into, uh, and, and I really emphasize this, turn it into trans, like actionable mm. uh, advice. Yeah. So why should these organizations safeguard their workforce against the security implications of inf misinformation, social unrest, and of, uh, also inc increased crime? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I, I guess the way I would look at that question specifically is I would break it down into two parts. One is why should they do this? Hmm. And then the second is why now in particular should they do this? Yeah. You're really looking at it from that perspective of why they need to do this. I think most organizations recognize that their duty of care toward their employees extends beyond just ensuring that their workforce is actually healthy, but also requires them to safeguard that their, their staff are protected from other kinds of uh, security concerns. And additionally, you've seen that most you know, in-house health, safety, security uh, teams recognize that it's not just this moral and legal obligation, this duty of care towards their employees, mm -hmm. but it's really good business enablement strategy. It's just good for an organization's bottom line when you have a healthy, safe, and secure workforce, what I would say is uh, a resilient workforce. And we're seeing that these workforce resilient strategies that are being implemented are increasingly being reflected in sustainability reports and uh, investor expectations. So that's the why. Mm -hmm. And if you were to move on to why now in particular, you know, from my perspective, I find it, you know, to a degree slightly concerning that the focus on purely the public health aspects of COVID-19 has deflected attention from other risks, creating certain kinds of security blind spots. And we've seen that this gap or this blind spot has come back to bite organizations mm. uh, in the back. And, and just, uh, so just as an example, um, you know, you look, uh, look at the situation in Myanmar. Many organizations actually missed signs that the political tensions there were actually mounting and that a military takeover was increasingly likely. That meant that organizations that had staff in Myanmar, they were exposed to the outcomes of that, that military coup. That's a very good example of the Myanmar. What are some of the other risks would perhaps 
security in terms of, you know, we saw the colonial, uh, the, the, the hacking incident there. Is that something where people just take their eye off the ball a little bit and focus on public health? Yeah, I mean, I mean just as another example is, you know, we've seen that misinformation and, you know, the increase in false narratives mm. actually contributed to uh, a rise in xenophobia. And that rise in xenophobia is a direct threat to an yeah. organization's uh, workforce. And, and we've seen examples of that close to home here in Singapore, and we've seen that, you know, much more prominently in in other locations. You know, you've seen narratives in the West that have led to a rise in hate crimes against yeah. ethnic East Asians or ethnic Southeast Asians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same narrative being, you know, currently deployed around the Delta variant, that's led to, to hate crimes around uh, ethnic South Asians. So those are areas where people have kind of, you know, when they took their, they focused on that public health aspect, they could potentially have ignored these these other security concerns. Yeah, something for them to certainly keep an eye on. Um, now, how can these organizations help to clear the obstacles ahead, ensuring that business continuity, uh, you know, continues against these uh, security implications? Yeah, so, so I think there's a variety of different strategies that can actually be adopted. But if you're looking at some of the, the best practices, I'd say, you know, the key is that organizations need to ensure that their workforce has access to uh, verified apolitical and expert input on the security and medical concerns related to the vaccine rollout. Secondly, I would say, you know, it's really about making sure that organizations have the capacity to and do actually monitor the spread of uh, misinformation. Mm. For example, you know, we've seen fake news articles often spread in uh, instant chat groups or even in the message boards within the company intranet. So businesses can actually, or and they should, uh, track if any of their business units or their teams are exposed to, to such articles and such false narratives and then take steps to, to rectify the spread of that misinformation. That, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's this intervention coming from the, the top-down effect in the company of, of news that might be spread. It's a fine line, isn't it, of, of how you uh, then go in and, and, and stop these kind of narratives going around the office, for example. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that you know, a successful strategy would be actually predicated on one clear communication, clear lines of communication between management leadership mm-hmm. uh, and their workforce. And equally important, and I, and I think you hinted at in the question that you asked, is really the trust between mm. management and the, the workforce. And many organizations that actually see international SOS as medical and security experts as their trusted partners and have actually engaged us to, to identify you know, the latest vaccine development, assess their implications on the workforce, and convey organizational uh, decisions based on on these assessments. So it's almost like having a neutral, external, uh, trusted source of uh, information and advice. Absolutely. And we are speaking to Aditya Luthra, Security Director, Asia Pacific uh, for International SOS, about business and HR leaders staying on their guard, clearing the path in their return to operations and travel plans while ensuring their businesses stay agile and resilient amidst COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. Uh, Aditya, you know, these, these rollouts at the moment and timelines differ across the world. How should organizations manage their travel and vaccination policies to protect their workforce? Yeah, it, it's a really topical question right now. You're seeing that organizations are already beginning to anticipate that there's a, a return to travel uh, or the era of return to travel is, is imminent and they need to prepare themselves from it. So, you know, specifically looking at travel policies, I would definitely recommend that these policies need to be uh, developed and reviewed on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
given the highly dynamic nature of local and international regulations, the security environment, the medical environment, these travel policies inherently for it to be sustainable and effective, they do need to be uh, very flexible. And if I was to give your audience uh, you know, some broad tips around what a travel policy can actually contain, I would say you know, they, the policies need to ensure that they're leveraging tools and technologies to track constant changes in the, the global environment, mm-hmm. uh, ensure that they're giving employees access to near real-time medical verified information about you know, destination-specific risks, travel restrictions, quarantine measures. Uh, I've seen some of the, the really robust policies actually require individualized uh, travel risk assessments for their, their employees. And in ensuring that there's a way to facilitate a vetting process to ensure the validity of COVID-19 tests uh, and vaccinations. And then this actually goes back to the point that we were speaking of originally around that misinformation mm. and, and false information in the sense that we actually have seen in, thir- in certain countries that there's been a spike in fake COVID-19 vaccines, yeah. vaccination certificates and test results. And that not only puts the employees at risk, but it's putting uh, their their colleagues at risk and is actually endangering any return to travel or any return to, to, to work policies that the organization is trying to implement. Yeah, quite concerning that one. Uh, and look, in a post-pandemic world, and let's hope that sooner rather than later, of course, will these security risks persist? Because how then do organizations keep their operations agile and resilient? Yeah, uh, again, really good question. And the reality is that, look, security concerns have existed before the pandemic, and they're going to persist well beyond the pandemic. Hmm. So if I was to give your audience, you know, like uh, a, a, an easy to understand approach, I would say the, the I, I would categorize it or break it down into a four-pronged approach. And, and of that, the first one is just, you know, ensure you have access for both the management and the employees to accurate, cooperated, and timely information. And then two is to ensure that the leadership develops strategic policies, you know, whether it's the vaccine policy or the travel policies, uh, that are based on not only that accurate information, but also forward-leaning uh, risk assessments. And I think that's a critical aspect for any uh, manager to, to consider is you don't want to just know what's happening right now. You want, you know, expert advice on how the security environment or how the medical environment is likely to evolve in the, the foreseeable future. Well, thank you very much for that because we've been speaking to Aditya Luthra, Security Director, Asia Pacific International SOS, about how business and HR leaders safeguard their workforce against various security risks and how businesses stay agile and resilient against COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. Aditya, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It's been very, very informative. Thank you. Thanks, Shazad. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm Shazad Haq for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.